When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's four past nine here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Uh, he is in Perth today, actually. as the start of the first test between Australia and the Windies gets underway. He's going to be part of the Fox commentary crew. Uh, coming, uh, Having a look at what's uh, been going on today already. We've already had two games of the FIFA World Cup. Group A has been wrapped up. Ecuador lost 2-1 to Senegal, meaning Senegal qualify second in that group R and are in the round of 16. Also in the round of 16 are the Netherlands. They beat Qatar 2-0 today, meaning Qatar bow out without a point out of this World Cup and uh, yeah, not looking good for them, possibly the worst hosts in World Cup history. We're at half-time and two other games in Group B. Uh, they play these games at the same time in the groups, the last games, uh, last games of the group, they play them at the same time so nobody can collude on results to help get the other team through. Uh, this is after 1982. Uh, let's cast your minds back. West Germany, Austria, Algeria were all in the running to get out of the group in Spain. And West Germany and Austria, Algeria had beaten West Germany. It was a big upset. And uh, yeah, so that that was the that was the deal. And what happened was that the Germans and the Austrians colluded to play out a nil-all draw because it would send them both through. And that's why after that, FIFA went, okay, their last group games, they're all played at the same time now. So that's why this is happening. And currently at, at half time, or just kicking off the second half, nil all between the Welsh and the Poms, and one nil to the US over Iran. Iran, a draw is enough to get them through. The US need to win. And big news for Wales is that they've subbed Gareth Bale off. Uh, so if that's not waving the white flag, I don't know what is. I'm not sure if he's injured or if they've just t- changed tactic. But, yeah, no Gareth Bale for Wales in the second half. So I think uh, you just about write them off getting anything out of this match now. Coming up on the show, and we're going to have some talkback time after 9.30, so we'll get your thoughts on a few things before we head to the panel. We're going to talk to the panel at 10, 20 past 10 with Mark Watson and Sam Ackerman. Some of the things we're going to float with the panel are um, Tim Southey. Uh, is he going to... Follow the Trent Bolt uh, and Martin Guptill route and, and maybe go out on his own as a freelancer. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit about that. The FIFA World Cup, the All Blacks. Should New Zealand rugby look to announce their post-World Cup coach now or before the end of the year while the talent's all still floating around out there before, you know, you wait till after the World Cup, everybody's already sewn up, so should they look to do it now? We'll also talk some NRL as well. Uh, Jason Gerbys, the softball commentator, is going to join us, uh, former Black Sox as well, uh, with the Softball World Cup on a big win yesterday. The mercy rule came into effect as the Black Sox smashed the Philippines 8-1. They uh, stopped that after five innings. Uh, They have Cuba today and a must win for both of those teams. And then after 11. Adam Summerton joins us, a BT Sport football commentator. We'll talk World Cup. We'll also talk about the goings on at Juventus and Serie A in Italy and why the entire 16-man board 
or 16-person board, to be more politically correct, resigned en masse yesterday. We'll talk about all of that. It is seven past nine, and joining us now to talk cricket is uh, former Black Cap and Cantab- proud Cantabrian as well, Andrew Ellis. G'day, mate. How are you? Morning, Ricardo. Good, mate. It's a story. What, what, what's the weather looking like in, um, in Christchurch, mate? Uh, the forecast doesn't look great, but what, what's the sky looking like? Yeah, well, she's quite warm at the moment. There's a northwest arch over towards the uh, the Alps, which is um, which is not a not a bad sign if it was going to stay like that. But um, it can mean there's a southerly um, just creeping up the South Island. So it's just probably a matter of uh, when. I think is the question. Right. So, what? What? Cha- yeah. You know, you've you've lived there a long time. You know those conditions well. What chance do you think we get a uh, hundred overs of cricket today? Um, yeah, well, I actually haven't looked at the forecast, but I've just heard anecdotally that, that the rain is expected, so they don't often get it too wrong. Um, yeah, it's just a case of when. I mean, if it comes later than expected, you know, we could, could get a good game, and then, you know, if it holds out till the evening, um, but yeah, just if that, if that suddenly starts to get up, then, um, then as soon as it turns, we know we're not far away from some rain coming. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a problem. I know there's been plenty of uh, Indian fans online who have uh, expressed their discontent about playing cricket in this part of the world in November, and after the debacle that was the World Cup, I mean, you can't really blame them too much at the moment, mate. I, I don't know how close you are to the stadium, the new stadium plans in Christchurch. From what I understand, the new stadium's going to be rectangular, but, geez, if they made it oval and put a roof on it, they might be onto something. Yeah, well, the uh, the fury that we went through to get Hagley Oval, I think trying to get us number two ground at the stadium is probably probably going to be a bridge too far. But um, I love your innovative thinking, Ricardo. Yeah, well, mate, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for, Andrew. I try, <laughs> mate. I try. Hey, uh, it's interesting to see Tim Southey the other day. He was asked about whether or not he'd follow in the footsteps of um, of Trent Bolton and to an extent Martin Guptill as well and, and go off uh, central contract. He didn't seem to think it was a, a great idea. He's he's pretty much sticking to his guns at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? A lot of these conversations coming up now, different situations, the, the landscape of international cricket is changing and athletes are exploring different options and, you know, amidst a very packed schedule and there just seems to be a bit of a a snowball of momentum, you know, of all these factors sort of coming together that's going to, you know, almost might reach a boiling point at some, at some stage. But, but yeah, this is just the, the changing nature of, of the game, really, and the administrators are, are having to keep pace and, and balance the, the game's needs versus the individual's needs. What did you make of, um, I mean, obviously Guptill's taken this decision to, to um, shred his contract because he's not been getting game time. Mm. Um, and it, it felt like to me that he probably had this offer from the Renegades first and went to New Zealand Cricket and they said no. Mm. And he said, well, in that case, how about tearing up my contract because you're not playing me anyway. That's kind of how it felt. Mm. Um, but do you yeah. think they're, they're putting, you know, if they've got all their eggs in the Fen Allen basket, do they need to balance things a bit more given, you know, the amount of experience and runs that Guppy's got behind him with the ODI World Cup just a year away? Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, again, uh, that's, there's so many elements to these decisions. Um, but I think what what we're probably seeing now is maybe the the changing nature of how we need to do succession planning, and you know the idea of a Ross Taylor, you know, sort of 15, 18 year career might be gone. Um, you know, look at Guppy and Trent, Trent Bolt. They, um, you know, they uh, they've given 10 plus years to the to the game, and now they've got young families, and they've made decisions that they want to 
you know, give back to that part of their life. And, and it's not like, you know, they're, they're sort of five years in and they're dipping out. They're, they've been good servants of the game and, and are probably entitled to, you know, any more rational person would, would probably um, make the same decision given the opportunities available to them. So, yeah, I think it's just a changing nature and how we move, you know, Finn Allen and then who comes in behind him. That's all, you know, the challenge now for our, for our bosses. We, I mean, you've you've worked in the New Zealand cricket setup, and now you're working with high performance sport as well. Um, yep. it, it does, like from the outside looking in, it looks like you know from everything I understand, Ross Taylor wanted to keep playing. I mean, you can kind of see that, but yep. the fact that he hasn't retired, he's still playing for. He's he's uh, said he's going to play another season for CD at least. Uh, and Guppy obviously didn't want to give yep. it away either. Uh, you talk succession mm. planning. I mean. How do you think it's being handled? Do you think it's being handled the right way, I guess is what I'm asking you. How do you think it should have been done? Yeah, well, I mean, these big calls, and until you're on the inside of the camp, it's, you know, it's really difficult to know the, the sort of the ins and outs, and I've, you know, haven't been around the scene for, for a couple of years now. Um, yeah, it's, it's that tough decisions, and, you know, football make these tough decisions all the time as so the players get into the to the back end because the last thing you need is them to finish and then not have someone to step in with the experience there. Um, but yeah, like you say, you know, ODI World Cup not far away. Um, you know, World Cup, he may still be a part of that. You know, that conversation may have been had with them um, around that, being around the scene, but on the, they may also see Fennell and as that, as that opportunity and, and he's a good player, a very good player and, and he might start to to really blossom with a few more few more games and a bit more experience because it it's really hard that uh, that first part of international cricket. Um, but if he's got the talent and the mental capability, you know we could see another Martin Guptill if, if that was um, if they do things well. Yeah, I mean, I I would have I guess liked to you know. The, the Ross Taylor conversation is one that's that's been and gone, um, and that's over eight thousand mm. ODI runs. Guppy's about seven and a half thousand yeah. ODI runs. That's a lot of runs to say goodbye to yeah. in quick succession. I mean, yeah. the, you know, for me, I would have looked at it if I was in Gary Stead's shoes and, and and had the conversation with Guppy and go, look, we need a succession plan, but we want yeah. you to be part of it. So we're going to split your playing time with Finn and and, get, and, and bring Finn through, but keep him part of yeah. it and keep him engaged uh, and actually give him some games. And that's what he hasn't been getting. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and yeah, I mean that's again. I, no, I, I'll stop short of, of stepping into steady shoes, and and you know what has he's seen that he's made those decisions. Um, but yeah, there, there are a hell of a lot of runs to 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 see leave, and and that's the challenge for New Zealand cricket. I think over the next five years, is we've got probably some of the greats of our games coming to the very end of their career, and how do we keep what has been a, a bloody good five to eight years of of cricket, mm. um, how do we stay at that level and not, you know, if there is going to be a dip, how do we, how do we make sure that dip is not um, a big one and we, and we can, can we can maintain um, the standards that we've set ourselves. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it's it's easier said than done, right? I, I totally, totally get that. Um, and we are saying saying goodbye to a lot of guys, um, and will be more in the in the next few years. I mean, Steady himself said the other day that there are guys in this New Zealand team who will be considered greats in the future. I assume he's talking Southie yeah. and, and and Kane, but I mean, he he might have an eye on a few others that maybe haven't quite attained that yet. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, Tom Latham is gradually building up that, that uh, career, uh, those numbers 
that I think will no doubt put him at the at the the top end of our game. And you look at someone like Devin Conway, and you know I played a bit against Devin at the end of my career, and you just got the feeling when you bowled to a guy like that that he was he was special, unbelievable that um, that South Africa could let him slip. But um, with another few, you know a number of years, I actually don't know how old Devin is, but he is a class act and could very much end up in that Michael Hussey type. Uh, um, style for New Zealand, have a fantastic career and, and shepherd us through into this next era. Mm, yeah, 100%. Uh, it's interesting, I thought, that um, the way that Jimmy Neesham and Daryl Mitchell's roles have developed. I mean, both of those guys five years ago, I think we, we would have said are fast bowlers who can bat a bit. Uh, maybe even bowling mm-hmm. all-rounders. But now we're seeing them as out-and-out batsmen. Uh, I mean, you see that mostly last T20 World Cup. Neither, I don't think Daryl bowled at all. Jimmy barely bowled. Uh, and now Jimmy obviously has been let go out of the team to go uh, for for the wedding. And um, who have they brought in? Henry Nichols. So, the, you know, the, that suggests to me they see him as an outright bat now. Yeah, and I'd probably share those thoughts, to be honest. And I think most people playing domestic cricket would, you know, all the all, over those years would have concurred with that as well. Ricardo, um, you know, Daryl... You know, outstanding batsman, very, very good batsman, brought up in Perth, shots all around the clock, uh, but works really hard at his bowling. And he d- does a good job, um, you know, when he gets the chance, he's a competitor, uh, but but batting is his meat and drink, and I think that's probably where his, most of his career has been. Um, niche has always been one of those ones, hasn't he, that we've always seen with the talent, um, whether he's probably quite fulfilled that God you know, gifted ability is, is probably remains to be seen, but but yeah, I think they're quite clear around the roles of those of those guys, and and you know because we've got some good bowlers coming through that that we don't need to necessarily rely on number six bowler anymore um, with the Lockie Ferguson, Adam Milne, you know, Tim Southey, Matt Henry. There's some quality quality bowlers in our arsenal now. Yeah, we've got, got good depth. And, you know, we've got Cole Jamison to come back as well. I, I, I don't mm. know how far along he is with rehab from his back injury, but you get him back and things look pretty rosy. Yeah, definitely. No, it'll be interesting to see how, how he goes on his comeback there. I mean, from personal experience, uh, the path back from stress fractures is um, a challenging one, not just physically but mentally as well. So hopefully he um, has... You know, got a good load under his belt, and he comes back at the right time, and, and he's able to be ushered back into you know to what is a, a high-pressure environment. Um, so he will need to be managed if we're going to get the you know the long term out of him because he's uh, he's an outlier. You know, when you're that tall and you've got the frame that big, you can't be treated the same as um, as you know Joe Bloggs in the middle of the bell curve. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, even, you know, somebody that's been through something similar, I guess, would, would have been Shane Bond back in his career. And while he bowled at that pace, he, he certainly wasn't coming from that angle. He was a bit shorter uh, than Kyle. So it's going to be an interesting one to see how that develops for him. Yeah, no, that's right. And, you know, Bondy eventually having the surgery to fix the issue. You know, Kyle going through a conservative rehab on this first occasion. So hopefully that's done done the trick for him, and he can he can put that behind him. But he's he's still a young man. Um, but yeah, we probably just need to, you know, particularly if a if a Tim Southey retires, um, and we've probably taken for granted the the resilience of Southey and Bolt over mm-hmm. the years, and alongside of Wagner, to really just do some massive yards. Um, 
uh, you know, who's going to be that next one, those ones coming through that will have the body resilience to allow Kyle Jameson to, to come in and out of the attack. Yeah, I mean, that that is a, uh, that is, a, that is I mean, like, if you've got him, your eight is sewn up, right? Here's that bowling all-rounder that can always always get your runs. Um, speaking of all-rounders coming through, uh, what about what do you make of uh, Henry Shipley? He's been getting some some good numbers for Canterbury. How far away do you think he might be? Yeah, no, definitely. That's, um, I mean, Chippo's had his injury concerns over the years as well, as most young men do coming through those those vulnerable times in your early twenties. Um, but I'm a big fan of that domestic apprenticeship, Ricardo. Um, he's had a great couple of seasons, um, showing you know good glimpses of what he can do. Um, again, next stage for him, I'd love to see him you know drive Canterbury towards some titles and competitions and you know play full campaigns. Um, and then because how do you replicate the demands of international cricket? Well, it's as much it's as much about the longevity of your season as it is about the, the acute performance over a couple of games and you know a hundred or two here and there. So we know he's got the talent, we know he's got the, the skills, but how does he put that real uh, combative uh, mindset around winning and and taking the team, driving the team? Because that's what the all rounder has to do. They have to drive the team. Most of our great all rounders, you know, tend to be the talisman within the team. So how can he take that role and become a leader and drive Canterbury towards titles? And, and then you're probably looking at, yep, ready for those rigours of international cricket. Mm. You, do you see, uh, I mean, the, the style of play he likes, do you see the best way to, to introduce him if he's going to be introduced into the black cap setup is through the T20s? It generally tends to be the, the best introduction ground, Ricardo, for those for those young players to get used to the you know the crowds and the, the intensity and, and all the stuff that goes around international cricket um so uh, yeah and often we play that many these days the context around them gets a little bit lost so you can sort of get a taste um, before entering into sort of the bigger realms of odis and and test matches but i mean chippo for me has always been a batter who could bowl um, his batting talent is, is phenomenal. I to, you just used to watch him do things and just marvel and go, Jesus, I wish I could do that without even thinking. So he's one of those guys and probably, you know, similar similar help to Niche probably. Yeah, right. Uh, so I'll keep an eye on him, mate. Um, I, much like we talk about succession planning, it looks very much like this Indian team is that team. I think they're seven guys mm-hmm. who would probably be in the mix that aren't here. But, uh, man, they, they've got talent on talent, don't they? Um, you reckon if we get the game underway today, if we can, if we can get some, some cricket going, uh, that they, they can bounce back from Eden Park? Oh, no doubt. I mean, you, you write an Indian team off at your peril um, with... Some of those shots that uh, that Yadav plays, it's just it, it's cricket in a new era. Um, it, it's just phenomenal, and and the way they they run down at bowlers and and just play without with absence of thought. It it is just pure pure talent, and there's never slogging, you know, amongst those Indians. Um, and now we're seeing you know good fielding and good fast bowling coming through, you know, to complement the batting and the spin bowling they've always had. So um, yeah, it's just they're a they're a production line of talent, and that will probably never stop. <laughs> no, indeed, mate, indeed. Uh, good stuff, Andy. I can hear that in the background that you've obviously got, uh, you know, the, the World Cup on. I heard somebody cheering an England goal earlier. Um, uh, before I let you go, who do you yeah. like, mate? Who have you got? Yeah, well, I mean, well, the, the guy who's cheering is a, a, an Irish 
um, one of our Irish strength and conditioning trainers, and he uh, was just watching the England game, and um, the it's coming home tag was rolled out. So <laughs> I, I think we've all we've all got a bit of a sick obsession with seeing England get to the the pointy end of the of the tournament, and I have to say I'd love to see them there and and possibly pick it up. But whether they've got the talent to do it, who knows? But it's great to see the African nations coming through and tipping up some of the European sides too. So. Yeah, I just want to see good good sport, good contest. I think that, that's what I tune in for. Good stuff, Andrew. Hey, I really appreciate your time today, mate. Go well, and uh, hopefully you get to enjoy some cricket this over. Yeah, thanks very much, Ricardo. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Uh, there you go. Former Black Cap and Cantab uh, all-rounder Andrew Ellis, now part of the High Performance New Zealand set-up uh, talking cricket. That game's supposed to be underway at 2 o'clock today at Hagley Oval. Uh, currently, England 2-0 up over Wales. Rashford and Foden scored just after half-time, and uh, they are looking pretty good for the win now. Wales uh, are pretty much out of the tournament. USA continue to lead Iran by a goal to nil. Half an hour left in that one. Uh, a draw is enough for Iran, so uh, that one's still not up in the up in the air as things stand. It is nine twenty four here on SENZ. It's just uh, 9.30 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. We're going to uh, do some talk back after the latest in news and sport. Just updating the score. Still 1-0. The USA lead Iran. Uh, it's 23 minutes plus injury time to go in that one. And England have scored again. Marcus Rashford with his second of the day. And England lead Wales by three goals to nil in uh, the world, uh, their last group game of the World Cup. So that is pretty much Wales done. They needed to win this game by four to have any chance of progressing. So uh, chance of them winning 7-3 with 20 minutes to go. And Gareth Bale on the bench, zero, I would say. Uh, but if you have something you want to talk about, whether it be Football World Cup, it's the cricket and the succession planning, like we were talking uh, with Andrew Ellis about, or something else, we'll do that after the latest news and sport on 0800 150 Right now, though, here is Aroha. 27 away from 10 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Ricardo Paul in for Smithy. And it's time to take some calls. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 is our phone number. SEN's caller of the month will win themselves an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Uh, thanks to Able Living. So make sure you get on the phone and uh, have your say. Get amongst in the program. 3-0 England lead Wales. 1-0 USA lead Iran. 20 minutes left in both of those games. Uh, we saw earlier today the Netherlands beat Qatar 2-0. It means Qatar have been knocked out of the World Cup without gaining a point. The worst hosts in history. If you go off uh, you know, numbers, stats, uh, that's the way it looks for them. Also, Ecuador, who had been looking so good throughout the tournament, lost 2-1 to Senegal today. And uh, yeah, that draw with the Dutch really cost them the game they dominated. I mean, Senegal go through second place in this group, uh, which means they'll play England in the last 16, the way things are looking at the moment. And then uh, the Dutch will play, as things stand, the USA in the next round. So if you want to talk FIFA World Cup, your predictions, uh, your thoughts on the FIFA World Cup, then you can do so 0800 150 811. Supposed to have a one-dayer in Christchurch today, but uh, the weather doesn't look like it's going to play ball. We only got, what, 12 and a half overs in Hamilton as well. Uh, Eden Park, the only one we've uh, had luck with, really. Uh, The T20s were affected as well. I know Hagley Park, they've spent a lot developing that. But there are new stadium plans for Christchurch. Although, it is a rectangular stadium. 
uh, is does that lack some foresight? I know that there has been money poured into Hagley, but if they built an oval stadium in Christchurch that they put a roof on, that would be the only roof stadium in New Zealand that could host cricket. Uh, is that something that maybe they need to look at? Because that potentially uh, would be something they could then, uh, you would imagine, make money out of. They would be uh, first choice to host a lot of cricket in this at this time of the year because of that. Uh, keen to get your thoughts on that and what you expect to see today from the Black Caps India if we do get uh, some action underway in that game today from uh, Hagley Oval at around 2 o'clock this afternoon. That's when things are due to start. Also, some thoughts... Uh, read an interesting article um, suggesting that maybe New Zealand rugby wants Scott Robertson to play uh, to coach England uh, with the way that they uh, are dealing with his contract at the moment. And I saw Paul Cully then saying, you know, that uh, he wrote a really good article on stuff.co.nz that New Zealand rugby should look to sign their next coach, their coach who's going to take us from 2023 World Cup onwards. They should get that done now. Uh, get your thoughts on that as well, Logan. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me to do that, to try and sew someone up pre-World Cup to take over after uh, Fozzie, once the World Cup is all done and dusted. I mean, you've seen, uh, what, USA looking to do that with uh, Eddie Jones. Um, I, one thing that I wanted to bring up, Ricardo, you, you mentioned it during the chat, the, um, Andrew Ellis there, talking about angry Indian fans and um, the unpredictability of our weather here in New Zealand during the, uh, a November tour. Of course, the running gag is that whenever you put cricket on in Napier, it rains. Yeah. If there's ever a drought in the Hawks Bay, just schedule an international <laughs> cricket game, you'll be fine. So after the last game was uh, rain-affected and we got no result, I was just looking at the Black Caps uh, Twitter account and <laughs> I screenshotted some uh, angry Indian fan tweets because I... I thought they were just hilarious. Uh, first one here. Do you really think that match, I, the one uh, in Christchurch, will happen on that day? Your country is Rainland, and ICC should not host any matches in New Zealand. Sorry, Rainland. Shame on you guys. You have to keep one day for reserve uh, for every match. So, yes, <laughs> I guess potentially we should be changing the name of our country. Second one, India lost the ODI series already. There will be rain in the third ODI as well. What's the conclusion of this tour? Rain is better than both teams. Waste of time, talent, opportunities and efforts. And then a third one I found was, what a waste of time and efforts this whole tour. If any time in the near future I had plans to visit any foreign soil where Indian team is touring to match to watch matches, then New Zealand will be the last on the list because your authorities just can't plan the tour according to the weather forecasts. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like... These tours are planned months and months in advance. Years in advance, yeah. probably a year and a half in advance, I'd say. They're not going to know what the weather is. That's no. just part of the game. I did see a New Zealand fan actually reply to one of these one of these comments and say, yeah, agree, India and New Zealand should never play in November. And they had a... a um, what do you call it? A screenshot from a scorecard from a game that was supposed to be played between New Zealand and India in India mm. one November that there wasn't a ball played because the match was rained out. So that was like, here you go. Happens in your country too, buddy. Not just here. Not just here. Uh, but you can get your calls through to us on 0800 150 811. The cricket, the football, uh, the rugby and the all-black coaching situation. Whatever you want to talk, we can talk it now. 0800 150 811.
We've had a couple of texts through on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Uh, this one, no name on it, but uh, interesting interesting take. I know those tweets are intense, but are they wrong? The average New Zealander is not stupid enough to put games on in November. It's still spring. Ask any farmer. November is consistently one of the wettest months of the year. Why couldn't New Zealand cricket just wait a month? This is David White we're talking about though, about as intellectually capable as a bat mallet, the worst administrator in New Zealand. Not a fan, I'm taking it. Uh, John has also said, from Christchurch, it's a north-west wind here, high cloud, rain, unlikely for the cricket. Graham, you're in Christchurch, uh, do you agree? Well, it's a bit clear, and we've had very changeable weather. I hope he's right, because um, we've had a lot of r- late rain, but um, at times we've had north-west, and then southerly comes up, and then it's gone again. Almost um, like Auckland weather, you know, quite humid and with rain. But hopefully it doesn't. But hopefully this, that guy's right. I mean, predicting the weather, you might as well ask me what the lotto numbers are going to be tonight. So um, yeah, but it's it's fine now and it's quite mild. Yeah. So what are the no, what are the lotto about. numbers going to be tonight, Graham? Oh, I don't know. Um, oh, okay. Well, Nostradamus will be able to tell me. I'll ring him <laughs> later. I'll give you a call back. Uh, just on the All Black coaching thing. Yeah. Um, I know that's sort of off-season, sort of, but there's a lot of uh, speculation. Yeah, I mean, I think they should just make the appointment, you know, like Mark Reason said before the World Cup, make Reason the coach, but I know people are adamant he's got the English job, so if he has, he has, and good luck to him, because he should have got it in 2019, but I think that they, um, yeah, the whole situation is just ridiculous, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's people like Stuart Barnes wants Wayne Smith to be the English coach. Well, I don't think Wayne Smith... I think he's made it pretty clear, clear he would be a great coach for England or anybody, as we know, but he's not going to... I just don't see him flying over and becoming the English coach through to the 20s, whatever, not 22, 25, whatever World Cup it's going to be the next one or next year's. You know, just he, he did an SOS for Black Ferns because he's a, a very patriotic man, you know. Um, and Razor, you know, well, we, don't, we won't know till we know, but I think... Um, it would be nice to have some clarity from the rugby union, but that's like asking, um, you know, once again, <laughs> like the weather and who the next pope's going to be after Pope Francis. <laughs> you know, who's the next in line? We don't. You, you, you're not going to find out. But I mean, he should be the next All Black coach. That's what I'm saying. Basically, I know people are saying, "Oh, well, if he goes to England, well, good luck to him." I'm not one of the. You know, he, you know, he'll be. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to be loved here, whatever he does. You know, it doesn't mean people will become England supporters, but. No, um, the well, mind you, there were, there were a few one-eyed Cantabs that decided they were going to be Wallaby supporters when Robbie Deans didn't get the All Black job. Oh, yeah, I, was was bit, I was a bit like that, I have to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not going to be a liar, you know, because I felt that process was bad. But this has even been worse, really, um, yeah. in the Robbie Deans situation. Um, Good stuff, yeah, Graham. No, yeah. Yep, good man. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for your call. Uh, another Graham, this, uh, this Graham in Wider Upper. G'day, mate, how are you? Ricardo, in the hut. How's the hut treating you? Uh, wet. Uh, yeah, like much, like much of the country. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hopefully, uh, hopefully not like Christchurch this afternoon. But we'll see. We'll see. What uh, What did you want to talk, mate? Oh well, um, I was in Auckland last week for a couple of days, and um, at a breakfast, I spotted a guy that I hadn't seen for a long, long time, for like twenty years ago, Gavin Larson. So I went over and said hi because um, I'm, I used to live in. Uh, New Plymouth many moons ago, and uh, worked for DB Breweries, and we uh, we uh, we hosted him for a day because he was um, guest speaker up there, and, and he remembered me, and um, 
had a chat to him, and I just thought, I just, I remember him saying something that you just mentioned before with um, the ICC and all that locking things in for a year, year and a half, you said. Gavin said the ICC have just locked everything in for the next four years. Yeah. So they must lock them in for four-year blocks, mate. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean... Indian fans are uh, get quite heated on Twitter. It's fair to say, and they're very passionate. But uh, I don't think I, d- I don't hear. Yeah, just ask Jimmy Nation exactly. Uh, but uh, I don't think there's a lot of logic that comes into some of their arguments. But yeah, no. Th- thanks for letting us know that, Graham. Appreciate your call, mate. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven is the number. Of course, uh, everybody that calls uh, through this month of November is in the draw to win the Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack uh, Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Thanks to Ava Living for our caller of the month. Mornings with Ian Smith on. SCNZ and uh, no Smithy of course because he's in Perth for today's test between Australia and the Windies. He's part of the Fox commentary crew. Thanks to Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier mornings with Ian Smith and I can tell you the full-time whistle has just gone and the USA are through to the round of 16 where they will play the Dutch. They have beaten Iran 1-0. The Iranians claiming another penalty and injury time but uh, was not given and they are through now. The US-Iran go home. Of course that is not the only World Cup going on at the moment. There is a softball World Cup happening in our own backyard. It hasn't been going all the way of the Black Sox, though. Jason Gerbis is uh, joining us now to talk about that. Jace, uh, like, I guess we're lucky to have been getting all the play with the weather we've had. How, how, how has that affected the teams, do you think? Oh, hey, thank you for having us on, firstly, and great to have the uh, trade staff, WBSC, Men's Softball World Cup highlighted on your show. The weather did play a part earlier on in the tournament. Day two was affected with the weather. However, they managed to get all the games through. Fantastic grounds crew here at North Harbour Rosedale Park. Uh, since then, it's been pretty good. Uh, they were expecting maybe some showers today, but I think they'll be fine. The rest of the week is perfect weather for fast-pitch softwater World Cup. Of course, the Black Sox get held in high regard um, on the on the world stage. We're used to them winning or being close to winning World Cups. It hasn't gone their way in the group stages so far. I don't think we're used to seeing them lose 7-0 in a group stage match or uh, give up a lead like they had in the Argentina match. How much of that do you put down to effectively being in international isolation for three years? Oh, that's played a big part, without a doubt. The Black Sox haven't played a game, as you just rightly put, for three years. 2019 was the last World Cup that was hosted in the Czech Republic for the very first time. And that was the last time New Zealand played. Lost the bronze medal match that day, but did play really well and got beaten by a good team from Canada. Of course, just like all Kiwis, we're innovative. And they've been innovative through their online meetings, having uh, internal squad uh, camps and trainings. And then uh, Sopel New Zealand with the Black Sox management, had put together a two-month schedule in New Zealand to give them warm-up games against the best sides in New Zealand. And, of course, as you just mentioned, New Zealand has a proud history at World Cups. We're the most winningest nation ever in softball. And it, it comes because of great work ethic, and they've done that leading into this World Cup. Are they as good as previous World Cup teams? Maybe not. Do they know how to find a way to win? 100%. 100% they do. Uh, they've got to find a way to win today, don't they? This Cuba game uh, is a must-win for both teams if they want to progress. It sure is indeed. It's a log jam in both Group A and Group B. New Zealand's in Group A. There are six teams in that group. The top three will go to the Super Round. The top two from the Super Round after that round, Robin, will go to the Grand Final 
come Sunday. New Zealand's currently sitting tied for third place with Cuba, so as you rightly put, the winner of that one goes to the Super Round. It is the biggest game in New Zealand's history in a long time tonight at 7.30 at Fakata Sports Stadium in Rosedale Park, Auckland. A good win yesterday against the Philippines, 8-1. It was stopped at the end of the fifth innings. The the mercy rule came in. Uh, Mark Sorensen's got to be uh, pretty happy with that going into the, the QB game and, and how the team uh, have turned things around because it, it must have been deflating the way that they lost Argentina. So trying to pick the team up would have been a you know a big focus for Mark Sorensen because mentally that must have been devastating. Big, big challenge for New Zealand to find out what type of ticker or heart they have in this campaign after those two losses. Firstly, losing the USA, they got blanked 7-0 on that one. Never seen that happen to them before. And then, of course, that game against Argentina. I know we lost. I know it was a tiebreaker loss in the end. But, man, what a fantastic theatre of excitement there. And congratulations to Argentina on that win that night. And New Zealand, they are gracious in defeat. They would have tipped their cap, said, well done, lads. But they know the rest of the tournament is at hand. If they beat Cuba tonight, then in the, uh, as I mentioned, the super round, they win. They'll have three matches against the top three teams from the other pool or the other group. If they win all of those, they should have uh, be right in the box seat to make the grand final. New Zealand has done this before. 2015, they lost an early match. It was a different format to the tournament, and it put them on the back foot. They couldn't lose another game. Guess what? They didn't lose another game. New Zealand find a way to win. I'm looking forward to Cuba. Cuba's the unknown team here at this tournament. They've been on the rise in the international market for a number of World Cup campaigns. We know they're an amazing baseball nation, but they transfer to softball at a later age. Even the kids don't start until about 19, 20 years or older in that country. They can field well. They can bat well. Now their pitches have become elite as well. That game tonight will be a cliffhanger. Yeah, well, I mean, how much of Cuba have you seen and where do you think they're the most dangerous? Oh, I, I think exactly that. Like anything on the ground, they are just amazing. I mean, they're like Richie McCall in the breakdown for the All Blacks. He's always going to get that ball back. The Cubans have the balls on the ground. They're always going to get it and they're going to make the out. So New Zealand's got to be tactically right on point against Cuba. And when the opportunity comes and the big moment comes, they need to take advantage. I have full faith New Zealand will do that tonight. Uh, now, they, they uh, the Cubans played the US yesterday, lost 8-4 in that one. Argentina lead the way in our pool. with uh, They're unbeaten at the moment, though, so they're, they're cruising through those two teams. On the flip side, uh, the Japanese have been a disappointment, haven't they? I mean, I know they're not in our pool, but they've really struggled at this, at this World Cup. It is a true example of where international softball is at the moment. Unlike some World Cups in different codes, where it's really only three teams or four that could potentially win it. Some World Cups is only two, to be honest with you. It's not the case in softball. There's about eight teams that have a realistic chance to win the World Cup every year now. We saw it for the first time in 2019 at the last World Cup where we saw this parity. And it's because the rest of the world has got better. And it's every game now is, is fantastic to watch. The class of the players in the field, the ability of the batters to either make contact and be fast or just blast it out of the park. It's simply exciting to watch. New Zealand, they've got their work, work to be done here for sure. But they always, like as I said earlier, they always seem to find a way. When you back a Kiwi in a corner, they'll come out fighting.
Yep, they generally will, mate. They generally will. Uh, now, the, the Japanese need to win today and hope Venezuela lose because uh, Venezuela have the head-to-head on them after beating them 3-1 yesterday. So if the Black Sox can get through uh, to play the top three from Pool B, it looks like it'll be Canada and Australia and one other, potentially uh, the Venezuelans. Um, is Pool B as stacked as Pool A feels it is? Yeah, you probably touched on a very good point there. Paul B has got a couple of teams in the uh, Denmark and South Africa who are a level below than the rest of their group. Um, and so I guess is it an easier run through? Yes and no to get to the Super Round. However, as you know, when you're in a World Cup campaign, you need to play the best to be the best in the world. So those um, teams that New Zealand's coming out of Group A, they'll be better prepared for the Super Round and should be playing at a higher level standard of softball by that time. But you did right. It's Canada undefeated in Group B. Australia only had the one loss that was yesterday uh, to Canada. Japan, unfortunately, uh, I hate to say it because they're one of my favourites. They're so hospitable and their, their sportsmanship on the field is, is, is simply amazing. They finished second at the last World Cup. Today, they have a tough game against Canada. Venezuela, I'm not going to say they have an easy game against Denmark, but on paper, Venezuela should win that one. It means Japan will not make the Super Round from second and missing the playoffs. Big blow for the Japanese. Yeah, Denmark currently 0-4 at this World Cup, so you'd think the Venezuelans should get the win there. Uh, I know that it's it's a bit crystal ball-gazy, um, Jason, to ask you this, but you know, it, all bets are off once we get into, into post-pool play. Who do you like? Who's the team that's impressed you most at this World Cup? Good question. You know what? There are so many. I, mean, I was rooting for Australia. Seems kind of funny, isn't it, as mm. Kiwi? Uh, just with so many mates in there and seeing their international program kind of have stayed there or thereabouts. They finished seventh place at the last World Cup, but fast-tracked back to 2009. They won the World Cup. Their main pitcher is still on their roster, Adam Falkard, but they've got this young youth and exuberance backed up by a very open-minded coach in Lang Harrow. Australia, if I had a spare fiver, I'd, I'd put it on them. Canada can't go past them. Mm. It's always USA, New Zealand and Canada that are normally at the end of all of these events. And I don't think you can go past Canada. They're undefeated at the moment. The way they're hitting the ball, I think, I think they are red-hot favourites to get to that gold medal match. Jason, it's an interesting... Um topic of discussion I think is the uh, impact of baseball particularly in New Zealand and Australia because we've seen a baseball baseball go strength to strength in the last few years the ABL launch of course um, the Tuatara being involved um, more scouts in this part of the world uh, it's been a more visible sport and you know having a pathway that maybe softball doesn't have to, to a professional career potentially scholarships uh, there was a lot of doomsayers when it first started to happen so this will be the death of softball but it doesn't feel like that's the case at all. In fact, if anything, it feels like it's probably strengthened softball and up the skill level. Yeah, it, yeah it's, a bit, it's, it's always a funny one when I hear the comments about that. And the only reason I say that is I'm lucky enough to go to a number of World Cups around the world, so therefore get to speak to a lot of federations or countries about how the game is developed in their country, not just softball, but also baseball. Now, the governing body for this tournament is called the WBSC the World Baseball Softball Confederation. It actually comes under one umbrella. They work together to 
to promote both codes. And I'll give an example of that. Australia have a brand-new catcher who's debuted at this tournament, Jack Burt, behind the dish. He plays baseball in the summer in Perth and softball in the winter. Of course, they can play all, all year round there. It, it just helps his game to increase both ways, both for his baseball and his softball. So in my mind, we want baseball to, to be better in New Zealand. They have got some uh, vision, of course, with the Tuatara, which is fantastic to see them back for the first time in three years. But if we can help baseball to get better in New Zealand, it can only be better for the game in a whole because we know the New Zealand Black Sox. We just talked about the winningest nation ever at a World Cup. Uh, from anywhere in the world. If you flip to the other side in baseball for New Zealand, we're probably the, the opposite. We've lost the most of any other nation in the world. So we can help our brothers and sisters from uh, baseball to lift their game and, and at least become competitive on the international uh, scene. I think it's, it's a win-win for New Zealand. Maybe some of those stars from the Black Sox can come and play and help them lift the quality of their game. And then we all win. We get to go to both games, and our kids and our and our whanos, you know, they can enjoy both sides of the sport. Mm, yeah, well said, mate. Now you were a catcher in your career. Um, the difference between being a catcher to a baseball pitcher to a softball pitcher is it just about angles? Oh yeah, basically. I don't think there's any difference, to be honest with you. I played both when I retired from softball a couple of years back. Now I'd always wanted to play baseball, but unfortunately, there just wasn't really a good league. In New Zealand, but I gave it a go the year after I retired, and I really enjoyed it. Some lovely people involved in the sport of baseball, just like there is in softball. Sure, they don't have the facilities like softball because softball's inbred in this country. Kids grow up playing t ball at school and things like that. I mean, you yourself would have played t ball with your rounders or whatever the case was. We've all touched it, and it's amazing how this tiny little nation of only 5 million people can be so competitive and dominant in the world of softball around the world. I mean, it blows my mind, and it makes me so proud to be a Kiwi, especially when I travel off tour for those other World Cups. Now, you're doing a great job calling uh, the games alongside uh, Dale Husband for Mouldy TV. Mate, what time does the action get underway today? When, when can we hear you? Yeah, the, all games are live on the digital platform on Mouldy TV, uh, MouldyTelevision.com, or the Mouldy Plus platform. Of course, the new name for them is for Carlton Mouldy. A couple of months ago, they made that change. Uh, Australia, South Africa, the first one kicks off at 12 o'clock. Then there's a whole slew of matches. I'll tell you, big matches to see today on Diamond One, especially as USA-Argentina. That'll be a fantastic match. The winner of that one will finish top of Group A. That one kicks off at 1.30. Czech Republic, the Philippines at 3 o'clock. 4.30 will be Japan, Canada. Another big, 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 big game there, especially for the Japanese. Maybe, just maybe, could they somehow sneak in the back door? I don't know. We'll find out. Venezuela, Denmark, we got earlier. And, of course, the big one tonight. Cannot miss it. 7.30 start time. Rosedale Park, the Cartel Sports Stadium. The home side, the Golden Homes, New Zealand Black Sox take on Cuba. Jason, thank you very much for your time, my friend. Have a great day at the Diamond and uh, enjoy your call, mate. I look forward to seeing it later on tonight. Fantastic. Well, go the Black Sox. Go the Black Sox, indeed. Jason Goob is there with us, uh, softball commentator extraordinary. You can catch him, as he said, uh, there on Multi TV with all the coverage on their digital platform throughout the day, starting at midday. Up next, it is the panel, Sam Ackerman and Mark Watson in the house.
Before we take a break there, Ricardo, some breaking news from New Zealand cricket. Former Black Caps and Northern Districts batter Dean Brownlee has been named as the new White Ferns batting coach alongside Craig Howard, who joins as their spin bowling coach. Brownlee, he retired from his playing career at the end of the 2019-20 season, joins the White Ferns coaching staff following a a stint as the ND Cricket uh, Network coach. He brings previous international coaching experience to the role, of course, having joined the Black Caps coaching group as a batting coach for last summer's home series against the Netherlands and more recently joined the coaching staff for the T20 World Cup as well. Brownlee uh, has 14 tests, 16 ODIs and 5 T20s to his name and of course represented Canterbury and ND in his domestic career that spanned 11 years and with that announcement he was asked, you know, women's cricket is on the rise, he's really excited about being part of this group but how does he approach the uh, two dominant form- formats of the game that they play? Yeah, I guess just just making sure they're nice and confident in the the way they're playing. The game's evolving so quickly in the female game. We're just sort of scratching the surface of professional cricket in uh, a full-time profession as a female cricketer now, which is really exciting. So we're seeing the game evolve really quickly and I think the game will only get better and better. And I guess dealing with failures will happen and, and just making sure that they're nice and confident moving to the next game. So there you have it. Dean Brownlee, the new White Ferns batting coach. Good stuff, good stuff. He's a good man, Dean. Uh, he's got a pretty sure he does a lot uh, where he, I think he's got a setup where you can go bat in the nets and they sh- and they film you, and then they break down your technique and help you become a better batsman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to do that. The uh, the last time I entered into a, a batting bowling simulation. Um, was quite embarrassing for me. <laughs> right, okay, all right. I I, I once netted up against Simon Dool. And, I mean, Dooley was well-retired then and didn't really have much of a warm-up, and I still didn't know where the ball had gone. You know Dooley still got it. You know he still got it. Yeah, this was probably 10 years ago, but, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a whole different different ball game. I'll tell you that much for free. 20 past 10, the panel next here on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Joining us on the panel today, Mark Watson. How are you, sir? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Ricardo. And uh, Sam Ackerman as well. How's the Sackerman doing today? Yeah, doing all right, mate. Can't complain. No point in doing it because no one's going to listen. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Let's start with cricket, gentlemen. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get any today in Christchurch. I've had uh, somebody from Christchurch text and say it's an all-west wind and high clouds, so rain's unlikely, but all the forecasts I've read have said that it's raining from uh, about midday, so we will see. But uh, Tim Southey, a uh, bit of a topic of conversation. He's achieved so much for the Black Caps. 300 test wickets, 200 ODI wickets, 100 T20 wickets. The only player in the world to have done that and he was asked the other day about uh, following in the footsteps of Trent Bolt he kind of sidestepped the question but it feels inevitable to me Mark the changing face of uh, professional cricket or what do you think how long do you give it before we see Tim Southey follow Trent Bolt well it really comes down to what Tim Southey what legacy he wants to leave look he's played 88 test matches he's on 347 test wickets I'd like to see him go through and, you know, look to try and maybe target 400 test wickets. I think there's only 14 players in history have done that. Richard Hadley is our leading wicket taker at 431. Why not go after those records? You know, look, he's played a lot of T20 cricket in the IPL. I imagine that he's probably set himself up reasonably well financially. And I would imagine that if you're going to get out of your New Zealand cricket contract, it's probably because you want to go around the world and 
cash in, I would have thought, in the T20 format of the game. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, for me personally, I'm about legacy. And I think, imagine that, you've heard of the legend of Richard Hadley. He probably didn't see a lot of Hadley, um, I'd imagine, being born in sort of the 1990s. And here you are, you've got a chance to maybe surpass him as our greatest ever wicket-taker. If that is the case, his phone will ring for the rest of his life and he will end up making a very good living in the game. So um, I'd be disappointed if he goes, but then, you know, um, maybe the novelty of playing test cricket and playing for your country might have, um, yeah, might not be there these days. But, yeah, I think he's in a really good position to chase history. So, look, I hope he doesn't, but... um, Hey, you know, um, I'm not. I'm not the guy that's been offered a million dollars a year. You know. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, and Sam, the ball is, as to use a ter- tennis term, formally uh, fa- fairly squarely in his court. What do you think? Uh, I think that, that it be in all professional sports that uh, long service receives uh, rewards or its own space. And uh, coming out of a New Zealand contract, taking coming out one of the centralised contracts is a risk. I mean, who, who knows what that means for being selected for the future? Um, because they do need seem to be leaning towards prioritising. Tim Southey's earned his, his right to do what he likes. His legacy is going to be a strong one. As as what I says, there's definitely an opportunity to say, well, you know, I want to be the greatest in something and chasing the Hadley legacy. For me, it, it's. It, <laughs> it's a very silly argument I appreciate, but for my own personal stance, I don't want to see Tim Southey take over um, Sir Richard's record. And I say this with the greatest respect to Tim Southey, Sir Richard is Sir Richard. That legacy standing there, I think, standing strong is, a, is not saying I need to see overtaken uh, by somebody, but I, I view him as an incredible component of this New Zealand team. I also don't think that if we put all the players from the Hadley era into the modern era, what they would think of the opportunity to earn that money. Would, would they put, put legacy first the same way that the, the Hadley era players did? I, I don't know. I, I don't mind it. Um, uh, I think that there should be some scope sabbatical-wise that we've seen with the likes of the, the Dan Carters of the world previously, where you go, look, we're just going to give you this opportunity to do what you're comfortable with, but we know we can trust you to be there when the when the chips are down. Um, I'm I'm good with it. I, I'm less of a traditionalist than Watto, but you know, you know, I'd say that uh, the people who wrote the games of the um, the laws of the game of cricket are less traditionalist than Watto is. So, you know, I'm I'm okay with with the, the jumping in between and the relinquishing of the contract. Big talk, big opinions. The panel. Yeah, welcome back into the panel. Uh, Sam Ackerman and Mark Watson with us today. Gentlemen, uh, this morning Qatar lost 2-0 to the Dutch. Uh, means they go out of the World Cup at the group stage without a, a point to their name. Uh, the po- the worst host statistically uh, in World Cup history. Uh, Mark, do you think we'll see them make a World Cup again? Or is this 12 years of billions of dollars spent uh, being such an effort that uh, that's them done and dusted? Yeah, fascinating one, isn't it? I mean, look, you're the host nation, you get that right, as does, you know, as we're going to see next year when we host the Women's World Cup here. Look, it's interesting because you just look at what, say, Africa and the North African nations are starting to do at the World Cup. And so if that region of the world, uh, you know, we've waited a long time, haven't we, for the continent of Africa and North Africa to make its move to say, hey, look, we're on par with South America or we're on par here with Europe when it comes to football. And we've seen a lot of the nations like Saudi Arabia, 
uh, like Iran. Um, we've seen nations like Ghana and Senegal and these countries actually starting to do quite well, Morocco included. So look, if the standard within African football continues and they can uh, you know, finally break through that ceiling, there's no reason why in the future t- countries like Qatar can't get there because if you're playing those other sides regularly and those other sides are um, you know, constantly improving, then you are naturally going to improve. But look, I think I think Qatar, just the whole way they've won the, won, won the rights to host this World Cup, their whole issues on human rights. Um, oh, look, I think the footballing world would be quite happy if we don't see them again. Um, is that fair on the players? Probably not. But um, that's unfortunately what happens with politics and sports. So, um, yeah, let's just hope that next year when we've got our, uh, when we've got our our uh, football fans playing that we're not sitting here having the same conversation that you know, we don't get ourselves out of pool play. So you've got to be a little bit careful, I guess, in terms of um, getting too down on Qatar. At the end of the day, it's not the player's fault. No, you're right there. Sam, what do you, uh, what's, what's your take on, on Qatar? I mean, uh, they've actually imported a lot of their squad. I think out of their 26-man squad, only 10 of them were born in Qatar. They've, they've basically imported and naturalised players to, to put this team together starting from 12 years ago with their Aspire Academy. Do you think, uh, given, I mean, they've got to come out of Asia where you've got the South Koreans, the Japanese, the Iranians, the Saudis, um, the Chinese, the Australians as well, of course. Uh, do you think we'll see them at a, at a World Cup in the future? Oh, look, first of all, I mean, if you look back to our uh, our first ever um, World Cup team, as far as imports and people not born in the country, I don't think we can throw too many stones. Um, you know, it's it's theirs is a lot more of a specific importing, knowing that they were going to host, absolutely. But I, I don't think that the Qatari ever saw this as the moment that their football team comes of age. This Purchasing this event was always about controlling uh, and trying to own some type of narrative to what their country is and how powerful they are, how wonderful they are. They are and you know come come do business with us, be part of us. It, 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 the result of the team was was not something that I think would have would be with bonus material, and they had the money to throw at the team. It's all good. It's, it's, it's the opportunity for the Qatar team to play in the World Cup, to feature in the World Cup, and we know this as New Zealanders being part of a World Cup. Sure, you know you don't want to go out and uh, in straight sets and, and lose all your games, and you know, that's that's not the reason you aspire to be there. But this is the best chance Qatar had of making the World Cup. Who's to say they can't buy their way into another one in the future? So I'm not, gonna, I won't, I won't, I won't rule out seeing Qatar uh, back in there. But this event was never about Qatar for Qatar. This was never about uh, Qatar reaching some kind of high level of football. Not not what it's there for. All right, uh, let's talk All Blacks then. Uh, there's been a couple of really interesting articles written in the last day or two. One by Mark Reeson suggesting that New Zealand rugby, the way they're dealing with Scott Robertson, want him to coach England. Uh, and another one from Paul Cully saying, look, you know, New Zealand rugby needs to learn the lessons from the last World Cup and get our coach from 2023 onwards sorted now and announced now rather than waiting till the World Cup to be done because all the uh, other candidates will be off the board. Uh, Mark, what do you make of that? that? That sounds sensible and reasonable to me, so there's no way New Zealand rugby will do it. No, 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 no. They don't have the intellect to do it. Um, we saw, we did, we saw with when Steve Hansen decided that he was going to step down after the World Cup, and we left that so late. They tried to make out that they'd done serious due diligence, that they looked at candidates around the world. But I think everybody quietly knew that it was always going to be Ian Foster. So many of those other coaches that were in the background had already, by the time they sort of decided to go through the recruitment process, had already committed to jobs elsewhere overseas, the likes of Jamie Joseph, um, the likes of um, Tony Brown. And 
um, Joe Schmidt, etc. And the whole thing ended up becoming a little bit of a farce. And look, so I, I, I'm in belief of this. I mean, I think they should give Scott Robertson the nod and say, look, you are our guy beyond the next World Cup, whether we win it or lose it. Let's be honest, I think the odds are very much in favour of us, I reckon, of getting out of the quarterfinal situation mm-hmm. based on what we've seen. Um, allow these guys to plan. Um, it also means that, you know, Ian Foster says, well, look, okay, I've got limited time here. How am I going to be remembered? What is my legacy? I need to get this right, or I'm going to go down as one of the worst coaches in all black history. I don't want to be that. Uh, but, I, 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 you know, we, we can't keep giving our intellectual property away overseas. We seem so dead set on trying to keep marquee all blacks here who have played 60 or 70 odd tests because we need their experience but we're more than happy just to let all of our intellectual property disappear overseas and I'll argue that that is a far greater detriment to New Zealand rugby in the long term than losing one or two players so let's stop wasting money trying to spend a whole lot of money on keeping all blacks here who don't really want to be here unless you paid a lot of money and let's just spend more time more money and more resource on keeping our coaches. And part of that model is making sure there is a pathway through to being the top all black coach. Yeah, well said, Mark. Uh, Sam, do you think New Zealand rugby will learn from the mistakes of 2019? Slight difference was there was the uh, announcement that we saw from um, Steve Hansen that he will not be pursuing it going forward. Now, what if Steve Hansen had wanted to be the coach for the next year? What would happen then? Would they have said, yeah, we're going to lock you in, guarantee you ahead of time? Quite possibly, but... Even even that, does that become a, an issue? Well, he's had enough time. Do we need to start talking about who goes in that position? I think, look, if you're running a book on who on the odds of, of Ian Foster holding the All Blacks job next year, they couldn't be slimmer. Uh, post next year, I should say, after the World Cup. But to announce that he's not going to be without, you know, and we're going to hire, put this person in next, what does that do to this campaign? Now, what, you know, Mark's right about the... Uh, we're not looking like in the greatest shape here, but to completely... You know, under <laughs> undercuts the entire uh, campaign before it starts. I, I cannot see it happening. I don't think it will. Um, but they should certainly be being a whole lot more proactive than they were in 2019, and as they have been in the past year and a half as well, as far as proactivity. Now, if they have an identified candidate, or if they're going to go through an open process, that's fine. They need to come out and, and be very clear to people who have been in communication, like the Scott Robertsons, the Jamie Josephs of this world, saying, we would like you to be in contention for this job. The job will be available um, for recruitment, no matter what. They can say it's a contested process at, at all stage, absolutely. But um, I don't know. I, I think you absolutely curse this campaign to uh, a point that I think is almost criminal management. Uh, you, you can't pull someone's legs out from them before they even get a chance to do the job. Right, OK. A couple of different takes there. Uh, finally, gentlemen, NRL, uh, and we'll start with you on this one, Sam, as the Seagulls CEO, Tony uh, Mestrov, as as eager to distance the club from any further Pride round decisions. He's basically put it on the NRL and said, look, if we're going to do a Pride jersey, it needs to be centralised, needs to come from the NRL. That makes sense to me because Manly did cop a lot of flack and it evidently cost them uh, a place in the finals, I think, last year with the way that they, they went about the process. Absolutely, but um, that's, I wish you had a time machine. You could go back six months and uh, have that discussion with the NRL then rather than go off on their own. Now, listen, you know, I, I'm fine for any club to want to make those decisions, but this is uh, this is kind of a little bit retrospective from um, Tony Mestroff to say it should be an NRL decision because they didn't make so uh, forward. They were the one that made this problem. The club's uh, communication with their sponsors, with their players, with their coaches, with the NRL is what caused this issue. So, yeah, 
Yeah, Pride round, if there is going to be a Pride round rather than the club make a designated jersey decision, absolutely. Of course the NRL should be um, should be driving that. But Manly are trying to um, wipe their hands of this. I've just put in Anthony Seabold as coach, so it shows the level of decision-making they're making at the moment is pretty questionable. So I, I don't know. They're, they're a club uh, who are suffering from <laughs> rugby syndrome and just kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit too much uh, at the moment. I, I think that decision should come from NRL. That said, it's very rich of, of Manly now to throw uh, the ball back at, in, at, at NRL and make them make that decision. Yeah, uh, Mark, where are you on this one, mate? Yeah, look, I, I, I've got to be honest. I'm a little over sort of just the politicising of sport at the moment. I've sort of had a, you know, I, I got a little bit fed up with some of it around the Women's Rugby World Cup. I've sort of over the whole Qatar thing now. I just want to get on and enjoy the football and. I'm not sure why we need to politicise everything. Like, I think everybody within the NRL, I think everybody within community, I think, has very sort of pro and understanding of the, um, you know, the um, LBGT um, part of society. And I think people are a lot more open on it. Uh, do we need to keep promoting it? Uh, you know, and where does, and in what other causes do we start promoting? Do we have a, a every week, do we have a different round for a different group of society? Um, look, I think Manly last year did it with the best intentions and I actually admire them for doing it. I find those players who were anti it, I find it all a little bit hypocritical. I hope none of them play in the Indigenous round because I would find that complete another hypocrisy, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, I think it's just time now. Let's just sort of take the politics out of sport. Let's just get on with it and let's just enjoy it. And um, Yeah, I, I think there are other ways. You know, look, give the NRL a rainbow tick, you know, have that alongside of as a sub-brand um, on their lead ahead and, and do all of these other things. But I, I think everybody gets it now. Um, you know, some of the players uh, probably need just a little bit more education. It's easy to hide behind religion. But look, if it's just going to if it's just going to detract from the game, if it's just going to create a whole lot of controversy, I'd rather just not have it. Yeah, no, fair, fair. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us on the panel today. Sam, go well, mate. Thank you, mate. Good Cheers. to talk to you, Mark. And uh, Watto, a uh, text for you that has come through. Uh, from Maggie saying, tell Mark Watson he commentated the baseball brilliantly. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Loving it, loving it. And I expect to see you and um, uh, Logan and a few boys coming along watching it too because it's, 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 I will say this, it's, it's, even if you're not a baseball fan, I think it's a really, really good novelty. So um, try and get along to something different if you're looking for some sports entertainment. Next series is Friday week against Melbourne. Yeah, yeah perfect. Beers and hot dogs in the stands. It can't get any better than that. Watto, thanks very much for your time, bud. Go well. No worries. Uh, It's quarter to 11 here on SCNZ. When we come back, we'll have a Love Racing update with Louis Herman Watt. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. And uh, racing's biggest fan, uh, Louis Herman Watt, is in studio with us. Uh, The Grand Tour Racing Festival is coming to you. Uh, Louis, you'll be on that, won't you? You'll be all over it. Yeah, I actually will be, and I have been, and I've seen them in action, and it's a lot of fun. Um, what, what's our football bet? <laughs> Is this, do we talk racing? Or do we, I see, I see. How about this one? How about this one? Yep. Um, I'm all on Messi and Mbappe to both score tomorrow in their games at five bucks. I reckon that's a really good bet, um, because I think they'll both win. So And they'll probably get some jammy penalty, and then so the- Messi can keep the... The you know tip for tat going with uh, Ronaldo. Totally, you know that because Ronaldo's now got nine World Cup goals and Messi's got eight. So you know what they're going to do. Yeah, 
Sorry, yeah. are we allowed to say that? <laughs> well, I, I <laughs> think I get... what you what you'll find is that Argentina will probably get a penalty tomorrow, and uh, <laughs> and and that, that Lionel will take it. Oh. Uh, and Mbappe's on. I think is he on pens for France, or is it? Oh, might might be Griezmann, but I mean Mbappe. Doesn't will be... Mbappe own France? Oh no, that's it's, PSG. He owns PSG. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's, it's a slightly different mate, but yeah, no, that, I like that bet. That's a good bet. I, it's better than my bet this morning. I had. Um, I thought Iran would do enough to get past the US. I thought we'd seen enough of them. I thought because they only needed a draw. You weren't you weren't buying it. Uh, no, no. You weren't I? buying the US hype. No, not at all. I didn't think they were that good. I've heard that they're thinking about bringing in because you know how Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't actually signed for a uh, NFL team. I'm mm-hmm. thinking they I'm heard they're bringing him in as a striker for the, <laughs> for the, the elimination rounds. Oh, I don't know. He, Do you know? Just I know. I'll very quickly talk some racing. Mm. Basically, it's Rotorua today. It's heavy eight raining down there. There is what is it? Nine, ten races. I liked one bit. It got scratched. I don't want to tip something else out because I will be half-hearted. There's nothing I love today, so. It's a it's a we're letting it through to the keeper today. Love racing.nz, you're home for everything, thoroughbred news, reviews, yep, the lot. Go to your form there. Now, Americans with mm. soccer, yeah. the arrogance is just the way they just flippantly say, Oh, you know, you know, because like we just play basketball and NFL, like if we if we actually just played if we put our resources in, into football soccer, we would be a heavyweight. Well, it doesn't really work like that. No, it doesn't. I mean we've seen Qatar. They put twelve years into into this World Cup, right? So they they built the Aspire Academy. I was just talking about this on here before. They were importing kids to come and live in Qatar. Importing so, kids. Well, yeah, they were importing kids from you know young teenagers that uh, early doors to the Aspire Academy, so that they would qualify for residency to play for Qatar. Ten, twelve years ago, they were doing that, and they haven't managed to do it. And they've got more money than anything. You need structure, like you need history, you need footprint. You need need, competition. You need need a competition. Yeah. Honestly, have a spell, America. Have a spell. Have a spell. There you go. That is your love racing update with Louis Herman Watt. Eat, drink, and get racing. Round up your crew and book now at grandtour.nz. When we come back, we're talking to Pip from the TAB. It's time to uh, talk TAB with Pip from the TAB. You can be live on your favourite sports. Just download the TAB app today. Pip, how's the uh, the Football World Cup going for you? Any more winners? Good morning, Ricardo. No, not, not really at the moment. I've been a little bit... Uh, I need your tips, I think, on as far as that goes, <laughs> I have to say. But uh, look, we've had some good bets come in for them this morning. A, a couple of on the FIFA World Cup. $1,000 on France at $1.45 head-to-head in are playing Denmark, 55% head-to-head money on Denmark there at $1.50. Mm. Two $1,000 bets placed on Denmark to win. No market boosted at $2.75. So they seem to be the favoured way. What are you liking on those two? Yeah, two I nice think... Yeah, no, I like those. I, yeah, I would back France. I would back uh, the Danes. I would back Argentina. Actually, I just had Louis, and and we were talking about it. The love racing update turned into a love football update, by the way, um, because <laughs> Louis got on a tip yesterday of mine, so he was all he was all about it. Uh, but he's got Messi and Mbappe both to score tomorrow at five bucks, which he likes. Oh, I like that. We're going to follow both of your guys' tips and, and take a wee little multi. And don't forget too, if you do play with the FIFA. Place a head-to-head match on whatever team you like, and if the game ends in a draw, we'll refund you up to $50 as a bonus bet. And just quickly, too, we're going to talk about the Black Caps with Smithy Knott here, playing in their head-to-head, pretty much the betting 50-50 at the moment, Ricardo. 
and the most popular power play so far is Tom Latham 30 more runs and two catches or more at 450. I like it. I like it. Rain, rain for the win, though, unfortunately, I think, Pip. But thanks, mate. Go well. Enjoy your day. You too, Ricardo. See you later. Cheers. Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. When we come back, Adam Summerton joins us out of the UK. We're going to talk FIFA World Cup and Juventus and all 16 members of their board resigning en masse yesterday. Three past 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Bryant, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Smithy is in Perth today. He's part of the Fox commentary team for the Australia Windy Series. So you've got me uh, through till Christmas uh, as his fill-in. And we are going to be talking FIFA World Cup shortly with Adam Summerton. Also a reminder that um, you can play Stumped from 11.30. We have a $250 TAB bonus bet to be won because I keep stumping people. We'll also catch up with staff and Andy Thompson as well for that Rural Roundup a preview. Uh, this morning we had games between the Netherlands and Qatar. The Dutch won 2-0. Senegal beat uh, Ecuador. What was probably a little bit of an upset, winning 2-1 to progress. Uh, Senegal will now play England in the round of 16 after England beat Wales 3-0. And the US have beaten Iran 1-0, so they progress as well and will play the Dutch in the round of 16. Adam Summerton from BT Sports joining us to talk about all of that. Uh, good morning, Adam. How are you? Well, good evening, your time. Yeah, evening, morning. Yeah, I'm very good after that second half for England. Um, I'm delighted that they've topped the group and Gareth Southgate knows what he's doing after all. He, well, it seems that he does. I mean, we've had lots of uh, uh, comments and lots of people I know on social media sort of questioning whether or not he does. In fact, uh, it was quite funny because at the end of the game, Miles Davis, who I know reasonably well as an Englishman that lives here, had tweeted, more pedestrian bollocks from Southgate's England. Go away, Gareth. And right underneath that was a tweet from you saying, well done, Gareth Southgate. Managed the squad superbly there. Top the group. Maybe he knows what he's doing. Yeah, look, there's no doubt that there is, um, I don't know if it's fair to say split opinion, but there are certainly differing opinions about Gareth Southgate. And whilst after the last game where England were, did very much underwhelm in the goal of straw with the USA, um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend it was a good performance. I don't think anybody could say that. But I think at a tournament year, I suppose you have to see that you're not going to play well in every game. And we saw that at the Euros as well, where England did you know, really well in reaching the final and narrowly lost out to Italy. They didn't play well in every game. In fact, I think it was their second game, actually, in that tournament, which was a rather drab nil-nil draw with, with Scotland. So I, I, I don't think they're going to play their best every game. I do think that he managed his squad very well today. He gave minutes to players that really needed it. He rested some people as well. Um, he, you know, one of the players he's brought in, Rashford, was the man of the match and scored twice. That's three in three games. He's the joint top scorer in the tournament uh, now, Marcus Rashford. Uh, Foden, who he also brought into the side, scored. Uh, you, you saw Philip, a little cameo from Phillips, who played a, a lovely ball, which led to, I think, the third goal. So there, there were a lot of positives, I think, to, to take from, from tonight. And the way, as I said in that tweet that you just mentioned, the way that Southgate managed his squad tonight, I thought was very good. Does the way that this has uh, developed now with Foden and Rashford coming in and, and you know, po- probably the second half, the best performance of the Cup so far mean that, uh, you know, Mount and Sterling are now on the, on the outside? Because neither of them have really impressed at this World Cup. And, I mean, Sterling particularly hasn't had a good time since moving to Chelsea. 
Yeah, I think of the two of them, I would say that Sterling's place is probably at greatest risk, which seems strange to say in a way, because if we think back to the Euros, I mean, he was arguably one of, if not England's best players. He was certainly right up there. He scored some crucial goals in that tournament. But I tend to agree with you that so far that move back to London for him hasn't quite worked out. I have seen you know some good performances from him I don't think he's been terrible by any means at Chelsea but he just doesn't look quite on it not quite at it at the minute and the thing that England have is is so many quality attacking players that if you're not right at it if you're not delivering you know Gareth Southgate's got another player who's champion at the bit to come into the side so um, and, and at the moment, it's going to be very hard for him not to start Rashford, isn't it? And then you've got Foden, he wants to get in. You've got Grealish in the background as well. You know, others that we could mention too. So it's it's a very, very difficult um, to see who he starts. But I think that Rashford, it would be exceptionally difficult to leave him out. I think Mount is a real favourite of, of Southgate's. So I'd be surprised if, if he were dropped. And, and I think he was rested for a reason tonight as well. Just Just one play in terms of the forwards, Ricardo, that not really been talked about much after the game because it's a, more of a celebratory mood with the way that England played. But Harry Kane didn't do a great deal tonight. He's, he's, not, he, he's not looked like the Harry Kane we know so far at this tournament. You know, he's played a lot of football at Tottenham this season, pretty much every game. He's been rather flogged, if I can put it that way. And I just wonder whether he, he, could, he might benefit from just that extra day's rest that we'll get now from finishing top as well. I've no doubt that he'll start Harry Kane but it would just be a slight worry for me so far that we've not seen a tremendous amount of impact from Harry Kane and, and he didn't really get involved a great deal tonight either. No, he's not on the score sheet at all at this World Cup, which uh, I think, you know, it's probably torpedoed a few people's uh, ackers back in the UK. Mm, yeah. um, he would have been a favourite. He hasn't done that. He looks like he's carrying an ankle injury as well. Were you surprised that he started today, given that England yeah. were all but through? Yeah. Yes, I was. I thought that he would start with either Rashford or Wilson through the middle. As it happened, Rashford played off to the to the well. He switched wings, didn't he? But played one wing, one half, and one the other. Rashford, him, and Spoden switched in the second half. But Wilson did eventually come on. But I did think he might start tonight. It seemed logical to me with Harry Kane picking up that ankle injury that this seemed like a good opportunity to rest him. But Gareth Southgate has decided to play him again, and I suppose. As I've just mentioned, they have got that extra day's rest now because they've finished top. They'll play in the evening against Senegal on, on Sunday night. Um, so that may, might, might make a slight difference. But that, that's the only thing from coming out of tonight that, that I would have a slight concern about. I think he rotated really well. Players who needed minutes got them. Walker was a prime example of that. Um, even, as I said, Calvin Phillips came on. Um, I thought Henderson did reasonably well in starting the game. He, he offers something different in that midfield and, the, and a wealth of experience as well. So everybody's minutes got well managed, I felt. But just that, that might be just a, one slight downer on tonight. Just a slight worry for me about the form and the fitness of Harry Kane. The other thing that we've seen at this World Cup from England is a back four, which hasn't always been the case, Gareth. Southgate has enjoyed playing a back three with wingbacks. Haven't seen this at the World Cup yet. As they start to play better opposition, stronger opposition, maybe games where they don't have the ball so much, do you think they'll revert? Or do you think he's set the stall out now? No, I still think that he will feel that there is a level of flexibility within this English side. And, and they've played those two formations. You know, it, it, He's not rigidly really stuck to either of them, has he? They've, they've rotated it. 
um, at other times as well. I mean, predominantly, actually, coming into the tournament, they've been playing more with a back three, actually. Mm. But if you look at the statistics, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know England's actual win percentage with a back four is, is quite a bit higher than it is with a back three, which is interesting. So I, I tend to think that when they come up against potentially a France, as it is, there's every chance they could if they get past Senegal. There's every chance they would come up against the French in the quarterfinals. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he then went to a three. And that's why one of the reasons why it was very important to get Carl Walker minutes tonight, because he's been injured in the lead up to the tournament. So that was his first game in a while tonight. And he is by far England's quickest defender. And he would be needed if they were in a back three up against the, the pace of Mbappe, presuming that he was fit and started. I think he, Walker was, is, is the only English defender who'd have a chance of, of matching Mbappe for pace. And, and that could potentially be important. I, I think Walker is, has to be a starter if fully fit as well. So it was a, a real plus for England and for Southgate that Walker got um, those minutes under his belt tonight. If you play Walker as the as the right sided centre back in a three, does that for you put uh, Trent Alexander Arnold in the starting conversation because you've got a guy with pace who can cover in behind? Well, I, I, I mean he's he's got a wealth of options there, hasn't he? Because he's got Trippier who started the tournament, um, who seems to be the first pick at right back, and I think probably would be as well at wing back. But you could make the argument that, that, I mean, I certainly would. That I mean, for me, Trent Alexander-Arnold would get, would, they would find a place for Trent Alexander-Arnold in every other one of the top nations in the world. I'm convinced of that. Um, that, that I mean, I, I'm a Southgate fan in terms of, of what he's brought to the England setup, how he's re-energised it, in my opinion. He's revolutionised it as well. I mean, you look at the, the, what he inherited was a mess. So I'm, I'm very full of praise of Southgate, but I, I don't, agree with him on, on Trent Alexander-Arnold. I, I get the fact that there are question marks over him defensively, but we're talking about one of the most technically gifted English players that there is right now. You know, And whether that is whether you play him as a right wing-back, whether you play him at right-back, whether you even play him in the midfield. I, I just think if you're looking at France, if you're looking at Brazil, Argentina, all these other top nations, I'm convinced they would find a role for somebody as gifted as, as Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I would also put it like this. If Liverpool decided they were going to sell Trent Alexander-Arnold, every single top European club would be in the hunt for him. And I have no doubt about that either. So I, I, I'm sure, I, I really wish we could find a way to, to get him into the team, but it, it, doesn't, it looks as though he's down the pecking order to me. Of course, there's Ben White there as well, Ricardo. Mm. I mean, he's somebody who's very adept at, at those overlapping runs this season at, playing at right back with Barasa combining with Saka. You know, so if Saka comes back in on the right, you know, there's a, there's already an understanding there too. So that's another option that Southgate's got as well. Yeah, he's got plenty of options. All right, well, let's talk about Wales. Um, they had one good 45 minutes in, in, out of six at this World Cup, I think. Um, and that was the second half against the United States when they, they changed things around and, and got back into that match. Uh, Gareth Bale will be 34 in the summer. Um, Aaron Ramsey's been around for a long while. Same with Joe Allen. Um, do, you, do you see this as the, uh, you know, as basically a passing of a torch? It's going to be a, a very different looking Welsh side from here. Well, I think that they've they've got some good young talent coming through. We saw some of that tonight, didn't we? Um, so some of them got off the bench, like for example, Johnson is the Forest player is is one of those who I think, if you're talking about the passing of the torch, 
Um, he's certainly somebody who will look to carry it forward. After the game, Gareth Bale was asked, as he was before the game, look, will you be carrying on with Wales? And he was unequivocal that, yes, he would. And he said, yeah, as long as I'm wanted, I'll be here. So there's no hint from, from Gareth Bale that, that he's a, any intention of uh, packing up with Wales. I don't know about um, people like Joe Allen and, and, and uh, Aaron Ramsey. I, I mean, Ramsey's somebody who's been terribly afflicted with injuries throughout his career so you wonder as he gets older whether he would see if he wants to prolong his club career that whether carrying on with international football would be the best of ideas I mean that's obviously a very personal decision for him but yeah I think that there is a new generation coming through with Wales but the problem for this tournament Ricardo was that they were they're, they're arguably their three best players certainly well, two, certainly two of their best players, and, and Joe Allen, you, you could argue whether he's one of their top three, but certainly their two best players in Ramsey and Bale, they're not fit. You know, it's quite clear, it's quite obvious that, that they've not had really hardly any influence on the games. And, you know, when you look back to the Welsh side of, that did so well, for example, at Euro 2016, you know, you look at the, how much more effective those two players were, particularly Bale. You know, the level of influence that he had, those magical moments he was able to produce, and he just wasn't able to do that this time. Uh, primarily, I would say, because he, he's just not fit, and he's, he's not the player he was, but then you wouldn't expect him to be. He's significantly older now. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there will be a, an evolution, if I can put it that way, with, with Wales in, in the coming years. Mm, yeah, Bale is, I think, uh, his contract was only uh, to the end of the season, wasn't it, with LAFC? So he's a free agent now. Uh, as I said, he's 34. You reckon he'll stay in the States? I mean, you can play golf all year round there. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with him because, I mean, we don't really know what is his... You know, how hungry is he? Because I think he's shown that he's certainly very hungry when it comes to Wales. I mean, the, the fact that somebody of his standing in the game who's won what he's won, who's done what he's done, is still wanting to carry on and play for Wales. So he showed his passion there for his country. That's not in question. I think when you look at the way things went for him at Real Madrid, and we joke about it, but you know, how, how he's, his, his fondness for golf and you know, there were at times where whenever he played for Real Madrid, I felt he gave his best, but you know, he didn't get on the pitch anywhere near enough, did he really, for Real Madrid? Real Madrid. So I, I just wonder how hungry is he to, to go and test himself again at this age, you know, in one of the top major European leagues. I, I can't answer that question. Only he really can. And I suppose we'll get the answer when we see what his next move is. Um, but if he wants to carry on playing for Wales, clearly he's going to have to be playing some form of club football. I, I, I can't really imagine at his age it's, it's very likely that you'd... I mean, I suppose people would say, well, he pretty much has just done that with... hardly He's hardly played, had he, in the lead-up to the tournament. Um, but I think he's going to have to be playing some form of club football in order to still play for Wales. So, um, you know, where that is... I mean, there's only, when you think of the salary, even at this age, you'll still command. There's only really going to be a, a handful of possible destinations, really, isn't there? I mean, mm. you, you might be looking at the Middle East. I guess that is is a potential option the states is another one um but then if you're looking at you know, if you're looking at big money outside of those type of areas you're going back to you're going back to europe aren't you you're talking about teams in germany france england spain and and where where would he go there i mean it's it's very it's very hard because you, you can't really sign a marquee player in any money player and you know not be a, a regular starter. He's got to be influencing every game, hasn't he, to, to be, to be um, justifying that, that sort of wages that he would still command.
Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Maybe he can team up uh, with Aaron Ramsey at Nice. I was just looking, Aaron Ramsey's only 31. I thought he was a lot older than that, so there you go. Maybe he's got a bit of time left in him, yeah. Adam. Uh, the US got the win over the Iran. Uh, to be honest, I didn't. I thought Iran would, the way that Carlos Queiroz has, has coached that team in the past, they would set up, make themselves hard to beat and probably uh, get a draw out of that game, but it wasn't to be. And uh, They've shown some flashes with some of those young attacking players that they've got the US. They're going to cause the Dutch a few problems in the next round, aren't they? I think that'll be a really good game. I find that one hard to call. I mean, I've been no surprise to me at all that, that Gapco is, is becoming one of the revelations of the tournament. I was fortunate to see him twice this season against Arsenal in the Europa League. I was at both the games, both in London and in Eindhoven, particularly in Eindhoven. He was didn't really influence the game much in London because they played quite defensively. But in Eindhoven, him and Xavi Simons, who's also at PSV, who's not had much of a look in at this tournament. He's also a really great young talent, slightly younger, I think, than Gapco, uh, maybe two or three years younger than him, but he's another one to keep an eye on. But, um, yeah, Gapco will be really important for the Dutch in that game. Um, I'm not entirely convinced by the Dutch, if I'm honest, although Gapco has, has done very well. And I think we saw from, you know, they, they showed a side of themselves, the, the Americans against England, that I thought was quite impressive, the way they approached that game. Um, I thought they showed a, a real organ, an organisation, if I could put it that way, to, the, to their player. I thought Tyler Adams was ex, excellent in the midfield that night. And with Pulisic, there's, there's a bit of X factor there, although he has got injured tonight and has apparently been checked out at hospital. So whether he'll be fit for the for the Dutch for the game with the Dutch is, I would imagine, there's a big question mark over that right now. Yeah, I think the Dutch do look different too with a fit Memphis Depay to play alongside Cody Gapko. It gives them gives them more movement and um, makes them more fluid, doesn't it? Yes, um, he, he's got a lot of qualities to offer, Memphis Depay. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite interested to see what, what side um, Louis van Gaal goes for against uh, the USA because he does have options. I mean, you think Berghaus was on the bench today, wasn't he? And, and he, he went with Klassen effectively sort of in behind, didn't he? Depay and, and Gapko today. But, he, but he's got Berghaus there who, who could potentially come into the side. Um, Bergvijn is another one. Shabby Simons, who I've, I've already mentioned, I think Bergvijn would be the player who could play up top. But Berghaus can influence things in the midfield area. So, yeah, he has got options. But I, I, personally, if it were me, I, I would stick with with Depay and um, and Gakpo. I, I think that 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 would be my what I would go for. Mm. All right, mate. Uh, let's have a quick look at tomorrow. Uh, Tunisia, France, and Australia, Denmark in Group D. Both those games at four o'clock. Um, I mean, the French are through. Um, I, I guess the, the all eyes will really be on Australia, Denmark. It feels to me like the Danes will have too much quality for the Aussies. You would think so, but there's a, of course, there's a two point gap in in Australia's favour right now. Um, so. I think Denmark were one of those sides that I, I certainly did, and I, I don't think I was alone in looking at it before the tournament. And you're thinking, you know, who, who's a dark horse? Not necessarily to win it, but go perhaps further than people expected. And Denmark, I would certainly, and probably still do actually, have in that category. So I do think that they're they're more than capable of beating Australia. Um, but look, they're, they're not in a great position, are they? Really, going into it, you know, they they need to win the game. Um, so how that will feed into it tactically and the approach of Australia will be really interesting. But uh, I've, I've, I always like the midfield balance that uh, Denmark has. I mean, you look through the squad and there's a, there's a lot of experience and nous in that squad. 
Um, we saw how they performed at Euro um, 2020 as well, where they were unlucky, weren't they, against England, um, I thought, anyway. So I, I think there's a, a lot of quality there. They should they should go through, but um, you know, Australia are in the box seat right now, aren't they? They are. They are. It's just whether or not they can get that point that they need. Uh, what about the other group, Group C? The Saudis play Mexico. Mexico look poor. You'd back the Saudis to probably win that and progress, and that means it's all on Argentina, Poland, and can you write Messi off? Well, I guess if we're to look at the last game, the answer is no. But uh, he had that moment of, you know, he's still more than capable of those big moments. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another one from him. I mean, the, the weight of uh, responsibility on his shoulders must be over. I mean, he's, he's, he's borne it really well when you think about, you know, how he finally got over the line in the Copper America, how that much he saw, how much that made um, meant to him and can only imagine what it would be like if they could go on and win a World Cup. But I have to say, I mean, having watched Argentina so far, I think unless there's a dramatic increase in performance levels from the rest of them, and Messi as well, actually, I, I just can't see it happening. You know, I think they probably will find a way to get out of the group, um, but how much further they'll go, I'm not quite sure. Like I say, something will have to click, and I don't feel that's happened so far for Argentina. They don't look like a team to me. Um, it, you know, when you, I've looked at them in previous tournaments, and it, it's a bit like we've seen with, with Ronaldo as well at times with clubs he's been at, particularly Juventus and more latterly Manchester United. You get the feeling that sometimes the rest of the players are just looking around, waiting for them to do something like Messi and Ronaldo. And maybe the shades of that here with Argentina. But that is goes against Ricardo everything, really, in terms of how well they've performed for the years running up to this tournament. Their form's been absolutely exceptional for so long. And yet they've come to Qatar. And I mean, I don't know what you think, but for me, they just, they just don't look like they're functioning. They're certainly not purring and... And I've been really disappointed with with Argentina so far. Mm, Yeah, especially that 35-game winning streak they had coming in to the World Cup. Um, Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing is it does put them on the other side of the draw from Brazil now. So that final is back on the cards. Um, Adam, just before I let you go, uh, Juventus, your entire board stepped down yesterday. Um, Is this a Calcio Poli number two or is it something different? No, I think it's something different. Um, I guess, you know, with, with Cal Chopoli, it affected, there were several clubs involved. It was a, you know, a, a match-fixing match, match fixing scandal. I suppose is the best way of summing that up. You know, there were referees involved. It went quite deep into Italian football. It wasn't even just the top flight. It was Serie B that was implicated as well. This is, this is very different. This is, um, as far as we understand, solely focused on Juventus. It's a very serious issue for Juventus. Um, but it, it is, it would seem concentrated on them, and, and we're not looking at match fixing. We're looking at basically um, allegations of, of, of cooking the books, of false accounting. Um, you know, allegations that play that hidden payments were made to players during the COVID period, um, that, that transfer fees were falsely inflated on the books. You know, so there's, there's going to be a lot to unpick. There's an ongoing police investi- investigation going on. The entire board, has, as you've already said, has resigned yesterday. Um, so this is a story that is, has got an awfully long way to run. Naturally, there are people speculating, well, if Juventus do get found guilty of the things that the, the club is, and or those who've been working at the club are, are being accused of doing, you know, what happens then? And then, 
you know, there's, you know, there could be punishments from UEFA, there could be punishments in Italy, there's a range of punishments that could potentially be from a large fine to potential even relegation as there was in Calciopoli. So it's very hard at the moment to know where this is going to go because nobody does know. There's, there's so much up in the air. But what I can say for certain is that it's extremely serious for Juventus, this, as I say, that the police are involved, the whole board's gone. And, and clearly for the club, it's, it's a very, very uncertain time. The one, the one thing I would say that we do know tonight is that Allegri is going to be staying, which is, there's a real irony in that because the last, what, six months, the, the, a lot of the headlines around Juve have been dominated by, you know, when is Allegri going to get given his marching orders by the board? And now Allegri's staying and the board have all gone. So there's a real irony in all of that. Yeah. Um, but I think they will need that stability going forward. With with and on on the on the pitch ahead of the the World Cup break, they've been playing really well actually. They've been on a really good run. So this is a re, a blow at a really bad time for them. A, a massive blow. Yeah, massive is right, mate. Uh, good stuff, Adam. Thanks very much, mate. We'll let you get to bed and get your beauty sleep. I uh, really appreciate you staying up for us. No worries, mate. Good to talk to you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Hey, it's eleven twenty-seven here on SENZ. This is mornings with Ian Smith. Yeah, mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Just about time for, you know it, yet stumped, a $250 TAB bonus bet could be yours. 0800 150 811. 0800 And see if you can stump me and win yourself $250 TAB bonus bet. Give us a call now. Here's the latest in news and sport with Aroha. 200 and... $50 TAB bonus bet. That is what you could win today by playing Stumped here on SNZ Mornings. And I think Ricardo Ball, Mr. Ian Smith, would be very proud of uh, the number that you've gotten up to. A few stumpings in a row there, mate. Not yeah. too bad with the keeping gloves yourself. Yeah, it's been going all right. It's been going all right. Uh, but, of course, it could go today or we, we could jackpot tomorrow, such as... Uh, life was stumped and the pressure firmly on you there to perform of course but first at the crease Gareth from Christchurch come in mate hey guys again yeah doing good mate have you played stump before yeah I have I um yep I've got over the line a couple of times but um yeah Ricardo's been in good form so there we go all right mate all right what do you fancy yourself on uh what's what's your go-to strength well probably cricket is um, usually my go-to or rugby league, but I'm not sure if they'll be there. But I've been watching a bit of the um, football World Cup with my um, with my son. But I know I know you're pretty um, pretty sharp on the football, so we have to see what the, <laughs> the options are. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. How's actually how's the weather looking? How's it progressed? We talked to um, uh, Andrew Ellis earlier today, and he said it was looking all right at that point in time. But how's how's weather progressing? Yeah, it's pretty muggy at the moment. It's about sort of 20, 22 degrees, overcast, but fine. I think there's a little bit of rain around sort of six or seven, but hopefully um, yeah, hopefully it's all good. Good. Like That's what we like to hear. Nice. Well, uh, we don't have rugby league or cricket in the topics today, although they are staples of the game. They might come back later, so, of course, uh, you're always welcome to try again if you're unsuccessful this time, Gareth. But what we do have for you today are the Softball World Cup, the FIFA World Cup, and... Tennis. Oh God! Um, is the FIFA World Cup the current one, or all the World Cups previously? It is. Pre- I'll say it is predominantly focusing on this World Cup. All right. Well, that's something I've been watching a bit. So, um, so yeah, let's give it a go. We'll go. We'll go with the football World Cup. All right, mate. Good luck.
first question for you, Gareth. Only one host nation in the history of the tournament have lost all three group stage matches. Who is it? Qatar. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, Ricardo, I will say that I got Robbie to change that question because there was another one that reflected on the bad record that Canada have, and I did not <laughs> want to relive that. <laughs> so, second question for you, Gareth. Prior to Qatar, who were the only host nation to not progress past the group stage? I know. I'm thinking, trying to think of somewhere obscure where they might have, um, where they might have played at home. Who oh, got bundled out in their own runs from their own World Cup? I don't know. Um, wouldn't surprise me if it was someone like England. Um, <laughs> oh, look. oh, actually, actually, I'm going to have a stab, and I'm going to go um, Japan. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It's not a bad effort. Ricardo. South Africa. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. I feel like I should have just replaced that with some uh, Vuvu Zellers. Yeah, 2010, <laughs> South Africa, uh, of course. Always. Oh, man, what a time that was to be a football fan. Sorry, Gareth, back to the pavilion for you. You've been stumped by Ricardo. Next at the crease, we have Matt from the Taranaki. Come in, mate. Yeah, good day. Hey, uh, so would, well, FIFA, World, would uh, FIFA World Cup be your category of choice? Oh, um, yeah, go on then, yeah. All right. Well, I've got one <laughs> one question left for you, mate. You could win a $250 TAB bonus bet here if you either get the question right or you get it wrong, and then Ricardo also gets it wrong. Here we go. Brazil have won the FIFA World Cup five times. Germany have won it four times. What other country has won it four times. Yeah. That's all right. Um, could be. Could be. Uh, is it um, Italy? Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Yeah. Right in the slot. Yeah. And away it goes. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say, well, I no, know it's I... not England. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely not. Nah, yeah, well done, mate. Yeah, the Italians won it in 34, 38, 82, and 2006. Yeah, and they're not even in this time. No, they didn't make the last one either. They've had a bit of a, a shocking yeah. runner of late, mate. So, uh, yeah, no, well done on, on picking that up, mate. $250 um, TRB bonus bet, yeah. all yours. What are you, what are you investing so that good. on? Um, possibly some UFC, I think. Maybe a bit of a multi on that coming up. Who do you like yeah. this weekend? Um, I was thinking two weekends out, so um, unfortunately the Prochutska fight's gone, but um, Paddy Pimblett, uh, definitely going to have a look at him, and um, uh, yeah, there's a couple of others I was looking at as well. Um, geez, I can't think at the moment, so I'm just really stoked. <laughs> <laughs> nice, mate. Paddy by KO, that's always yeah. that's always nailed on, isn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. He's um, he's good to watch. Um, and uh, Vickis, uh, is it like a Thunder Merver or someone like that? Yeah, the um, South African uh, fighter, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, definitely going to have a punt on him as well. I think it's good odds on him, so yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. All right, well, good luck with it, Matt, and well done on taking the two fifty. All yours, mate. I uh, hope uh, hope you managed to get some wins on the on the UFC and fill the bear for a Jay. 
Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much. Cheers. Uh, Matt from the, the NACU there winning it for us. So back to $50 tomorrow for Stumped. We are 19 away from 12. It's 14 away from midday after midday. Everywhere except Auckland and Wellington, you'll hear the Rural Roundup. Uh, rural Roundup, let me get that out with Andy Thompson. And Andy, I understand you're out and about today, mate. Yeah, Ricardo, g'day, mate. We're at the uh, Graham Corp site at Field Day. So uh, we're very fortunate to be here. The Rural Roundup is uh, partnered with Graham Corp, and uh, we're on their site. So we're bringing the show from, from there today. So, uh, yes, yeah, fantastic to uh, be with the good crew at Graham Corp and uh, get down here. So, yeah, good to get into the North Island and um, get out my feet out from uh, under the desk and, and basically get into rural New Zealand and deal with a whole bunch of farmers. Yeah, that'll be awesome, mate. There'll be lots of people wandering around there. I guess there'll be a lot of interview opportunities for you as well? Absolutely massive amount of interview opportunities, catching up with a lot of old friends and uh, some frenemies and enemies, but uh, it's always good to get out and uh, the biggest problem with a place like this, mate, after you've been doing it as long as I have, is uh, trying to walk from point A to point B without bumping into somebody you know and having to stop for 10 minutes and and have a chat. So it is a gathering of the clans, it is a gathering of rural New Zealand and it's fantastic that it's underway, you know, like a lot of comments about it being held in uh, sort of late November, early December, but hey, it is what it is and field days needed to run. Uh, they couldn't run in June this year, obviously because of Omicron and COVID, and so they've done the next best thing and make sure it got underway. And, um, you know, th- they reckon it's uh, 90 to 95% full, as it has been from other years. So, look, that is a fantastic um, effort by all the businesses. You know, you're talking to some businesses, and they go, you know, you've got two events in one financial year, and you know what um, you know what expense budgets are like for marketing mm. and all that sort of stuff. So it is a little bit tricky, but, hey, they, they've made it, and the... The punters are walking in and uh, showing up. It's a little bit, um, a little bit cloudy, a little bit drizzly here, but where we are inside in the main pavilion and the Grain Corp site, um, it's certainly dry in here, mate. Yeah, and you got uh, you got your bodyguard with you as well, uh, Nepia. I see them standing there just to to keep the masses away, mate. Um, uh, who else have you got lined up today? Uh, I've got a busy old day today. Actually, we've managed to get um, uh, Andrew Hoggard. So he's the president of Federated Farmers. So we're going to talk. He's going to wander in here in a few minutes, drag him away from the Fed site. Um, I've been trying to get my one interview, and this is the place to get him. Miles Hurrell, the CEO of uh, of Fonterra, finally managed to track him down. I've been trying to get him for literally months, and so I door stopped him. <laughs> so I said, "You're on, mate." Uh, so we got him. Uh, Julia Jones from uh, Head of Insight for NZX. Look, it's just pretty much everyone we can find. We've got Craig Taylor, Alice. To Taylor from Overseer, so plenty of people, no shortage of people to talk to uh, and things to talk about, so we're uh, really looking forward to it, and um, you know, if you're anywhere near the Waikato, um, come along in the next three, it's like it's from day, today right through until Saturday, uh, you'll have a fantastic time, and, and it's a great place to bring the kids as well. You don't need to spend a lot of money, you can walk around and entertain them, buy them a hot dog, you'll have a great time. Yeah, and if, if people are uh, on site wandering around, where, they, where can they come and say hi? So we're in the main pavilion, so the big, massive pavilion right in the middle. Um, we're on the Grain Corp site right in the middle, so you'll see a big silo. Uh, we're standing right underneath the Grain Corp silo, so uh, that's where we are, easy to find, and we're just uh, ready to go, actually, looking forward to it. Yeah, mate, oh, that sounds great. Sounds like you're going to have a hell of a time, so uh, we'll let you go. And uh, we, even let, found let you a, we even found a TV to watch some of the football this morning. Oh, so, mate, uh, how good. I know, I know. So our good friend uh, Alistair Taylor from Overseer, he had it. He's he's on the show. He's a pom. Uh, so he was pretty excited uh, with the England result over Wales this morning. So uh, that was good. Yeah, it was a great result for the Poms, wasn't it? About time they showed up at this World Cup, mate. So <laughs> exactly. that's good. So long as you've got a tally for the cricket this afternoon, mate. Hopefully uh, it's not too wet in Christchurch. Oh, mate, that's that's the next best thing. Um, I know where to go for that TV, by the way, so we're looking forward to that. Oh, hold on, one thing before we go. No doubt you're coming down to SENZ Shout the Bar tonight. 
Have what? you got the invite to that? I, mate, I, I missed the invite to that. Did you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where, oh. how, how that happened, but no. No, no. I, I know Kempi's coming. Oh, well, mate, if there's a. But Kempe has uh, he 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 could have a job in a in a previous life as a sniffer dog, mate. That guy can sniff out a free beer from miles away. Yeah, exactly. Well, I thought I thought you, the big dog, Ricardo. I thought you would have actually got the invite. I thought you were the MC for the night, mate. I uh, thought you'd be here. It's all news to me. It's all news to me, Andy. I think I think you've got the MC duties for the night. Um, and if if you if you're a couple of spates into it, maybe you just hand the microphone over to uh, Napier and he can take over. Yeah, that's wow. Uh, yeah, he know you know how much he knows about farming. How much? He knows much as about as much as I know about sport. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we'll leave it there. Good stuff, Andy. Go well, mate. Have a great show. Cheers, mate. Cheers, uh, Andy Thompson. There from the rural roundup, you can hear him from midday everywhere except for the Auckland and Wellington frequencies. Who will have afternoons with Staffy? Staffy is in next. It is uh, four away from midday here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Of course, I'm in for Smithy. Ricardo here. And in next is Staffy. Um, mate, uh, big day, big show. Uh, of course, hump day. What do you got coming up? Big Wednesday. Big Wednesday. That was a uh, surfing movie, I think. Big Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Back in the day. Um, you hang 10 much? I did once. Yeah. I did once on about a nine and a half foot board at McElroy Beach in Gisborne. You need uh, small waves to hang 10. Mm. The old 10 toes over the front. Five was no problem because you can get a big stride in, but 10 something special. Yeah, that's a, that's a real balancing act, as yeah. it were, literally <laughs> and figuratively. It is. Uh, what do we got today? Um, midday Madness. We want to try something here. What sporting record are you most invested in? What ones do you want? To get beaten, mm. what ones don't you want to be beaten? Like Tim Southey's moving in on Richard Hadley's record. Do you want that? It's interesting you say that because on the panel today we had Mark Watson and Sam Ackerman, and oh. you know, and and what I was like, I I want Tim Southey to resist the temptation to do a Trent Bolt to stay in gun for Hadley's record. Ackerman's on the other side. He's like, mate, go do what you want. I don't want to be in a situation where Richard Hadley doesn't have that record. Yeah, I nice. want Richard Hadley to, to keep that forever, Yeah, basically. It's like I, I think Peter Snell still holds an athletics record. Where it might be the 800 yards. or, or, or He still holds a New Zealand athletics record. I quite like the, the romanticism of that. Um, big one for me is at the moment the All Blacks in South Africa are both on three World Cups each. Yep. I don't want someone to pass us. Yeah, right. I don't want someone to, but I still want us to have the most World Cup. So next year's really important for that. I've got a couple of others that I really want to see as well. Uh, guest wise, mm-hmm. we're going to talk to Two Meter Peter, uh, former Black Caps batsman. Um, of course, the third ODI today. I've been glued to the rain radar. I reckon they're going to start on time. Yep. Um, but the rain is definitely hitting the West Coast. Uh, thoughts out to you people in the West Coast, and it's sort of starting to build just south of Akaroa as well, but not heading to Christchurch. So fingers crossed that game gets underway. So we'll talk to Peter Fulton. And Wayne Barton, uh, Manchester United stalwart. Uh, he's written 20 books on the game of football. Um, obviously England 3-0. Uh, I, I won't be able to shut him up about Rashford, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, but, all the goals were built in, uh, born in Manchester. Phil yes. Foden, the other one. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Casey Berrier, the US football correspondent, is going to join us in studio. Oh, wow. How yeah. have you managed that? Well, she works here. Oh, right. Okay, you, you've swung it well. You've swung it well, mate. Hey, we did get a text in before from John, who's in Christchurch. He said it's a northwest wind here. It's high cloud, so that means rain's unlikely. That's according to John. I mean, I, I don't well, know if he's a meteorologist or what. I respect but, John. Yeah. 
Gee, gee, I hope John's right. Yeah, he was one of the uh, guys at the Last Supper, wasn't he, John? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He went all right with the opening bat for New Zealand back in the 80s as yeah, well. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's it. Um, wonder if it's the same bloke. Mm, there you go. All right, Steph, have a good show this afternoon, mate. Looking forward to it. Cheers, mate. Midday Madness. Which records are sacrosanct to you? Which ones do you never want to see to go? You want you want to be held on forever. That's what Midday Madness is all about. 0800 150 811 for staff to uh, chip in with your thoughts on that or double eight double three. Time for the latest in news and sport right here on SCNZ.